so be it. I believe, I agree with what you're saying. Amen. Amen. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you.
don't have joy right now. God says, that's okay. I never lost a battle and I don't plan on starting today. He is for you. So where you don't have hope, he is. Where you don't have joy, he is. Where you don't have faith, he is. The Bible says, I am that I am. I am the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. So whatever you need him to be in your beginning, he is. And whatever you need him to be at the end, he is. Amen. Whatever you are facing or going through today, however 2021 has started out for you, no matter what people are saying about what this year might look like, all you need to know is that he is for you. I love this song. Because it really is our prayer for you, our church family. It's full of scripture and and the blessings that God wants to pour upon our lives. And I love it when we sing it together because it's the body of Christ, the family of God, just praying for each other, praying God's blessings and favor over each other and over our own lives. It is so awesome. And as we do that, we're declaring his blessings over our lives. But you know... It's one thing to pray and declare God's blessings and favor over our lives. And it's another thing to believe it, to expect to receive it. And so I want us to do something this morning together. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, I want us together to lift our eyes off of the circumstances of life. And in your own words, in your own way, as I pray, can we all just let God know that we believe him and that we expect his blessings in our lives, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful to your word. And God, right now, we lift our eyes above the circumstances of life. We lift our eyes and fix them on you. And God, we declare and let you know that we believe your word. We trust you to perform your word in our lives. And God, we expect to see your blessings. We expect to see your favor in our lives and in our families' lives. Oh, God, I thank you for your presence that is with us. God, I pray that every day we would be so aware of your presence with us, that you are with us and you are for us. God, I thank you that you are for us. And, Father, I pray that we would never forget that, that we would live every moment with a confident expectation that you are there, that you are going before us. You are with us every moment. We thank you and we praise you for that. And God, we say, so be it. Amen. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Oh, God is so good. And his word 
is so true and he is so faithful and I believe in this year we are going to see his blessings and his favor in our lives. How about you? You believe it? Amen. Amen. Oh, well, we're so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. Whether you are joining us online or you are here in the building, it is just awesome to be worshiping God together. And hey, we just want to remind you, if you have little ones with you, infants through elementary school, they are welcome to stay in service with you. But also, if you'd like to know, we do have a family room and our family room has moved. It is now located in our chapel, which is straight out this side exit of the auditorium. It is available first and second service. And then, of course, during second service, we have our full Bridge Kids program available as well. Just want you to be aware of that. Before you're seated, why don't you just take a moment, say good morning to those around you. everyone and welcome to church. Thank you so much for joining us today at The Bridge. We're very excited to get to spend the morning with you and with your family. We are believing that this new year is going to be full of bigger and better things that God has for our lives and for our church. So make sure that your plans are to be with us in the weeks ahead. Here's a look at what's coming up at The Bridge. Hey, Bridgemen, we are very excited to kick off 2021 with you this Saturday morning at 8.30 right here at the church. It's been several months since we gathered together as the men of the bridge, and I want to encourage you to be here this Saturday. This month, we will be kicking off a term for the year where we are going to be talking about many of the relevant issues that surround our society today. But most importantly, how do we navigate the issues of the day and be the godly men and leaders that we are called to be? It's going to be a fun, casual, and brief gathering, and I know that you'll be encouraged and inspired to grow in your walk with God. So guys, be here this coming Saturday morning at 8.30 for Bridgemen. We look forward to seeing you here. We're excited to announce the relaunch of Connect Groups this spring at the Bridge. If you are interested in leading an in-person, online, or a hybrid group, we invite you to join us for a new Connect Group Leader meeting. It's happening on Sunday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. here at the Bridge Church. If you'd like to come, just sign up on our website or the Bridge app. The new groups will be launching in mid-February, and we would love for you to consider leading one. We'll hope that you sign up for our new leaders meeting on Sunday, January 24th. Hey, Bridge Youth is back. Last Wednesday, we had our 2021 launch party. It was amazing. This Wednesday night, Youth is back. Uh, Hangs are at 6 and service at 7. We've just kicked off a brand new series entitled Stay the Course. It's been absolutely awesome to be back with you guys. Don't miss this Wednesday night. God's continuing to do amazing things at Youth. Invite a friend, bring a mask, bring a hydro flask. It's going to be an awesome night. We'll see you this Wednesday. If you're new to church, we want to help you find your place and get connected. 
just go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. And if you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being in church with us today. We love spending Sunday with you and with your family. everybody doing today so glad you've joined us here in the building some of you watching online today god bless you glad you're a part of what god's doing here at the bridge church if it's your first time here we especially send out a welcome to you thanks for joining us check out our website thebridgechurch.tv we've also got an app you can download on your electronic device find out all about us if you've got any questions stop somebody we'll try to answer those questions for you today so glad you're here and let me say to you, Happy New Year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't get to say that last Sunday because Ann and I were in Arizona helping take care of Ann's dad for a few days. Uh, he had a stroke last summer, and uh, because of what's lapsed over, he has to have 24-hour care. So we went over there for a week and gave her brother and his wife a, a break for a few days so they could get away. And so we were gone last week. I didn't get to tell you Happy New Year. But, but I got to say something. The last two Sundays, the messages have been outstanding. Pastor Corey, Pastor Zach, get those guys a hand. Would you do that? I mean, they, they did an outstanding job. Where is Pastor Corey? He was on guitar, so that means he's backstage with the musicians eating donuts or something like that somewhere. Anyway, if Corey, if you don't hear this, don't anybody tell Corey I said he did a good job, okay? Because he's a youth pastor and I'm trying to keep him humble. So anyway, they, they did an outstanding job. And this is the month of January. The new year has kicked off. Every January, we kind of set the course for the year we do a series, and then we try to get everybody involved in, in Bible reading and praying and fasting together some. And so let me tell you what we're going to be doing this month. We're going to be going through, reading through the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. I want to encourage everybody, take five, ten minutes this afternoon, this evening, read through Mark chapter 1. I'm going to refer to a little bit of it in my message today. And then each day, Monday through Friday, we're going to ask you to read another chapter of Mark. We'll be sending out a daily devotional, video devotional, that'll encourage you and give you a thought to think about during that day. And we're going to focus this month on what it means to be living in the kingdom of God. What is kingdom life really all about? Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. So what, what is this life all about? 
And I think as we read through this gospel, there's going to be so much that's going to come alive to you that I think will really help you in your walk with God. Now, some of you online or here in the building have not yet become a part of our email list. You don't get the email blast that we send out. If you don't, you'll be missing these videos. So let me just tell you, if you're online, you can just go to the Bridge Church website or you can just send an email to info at thebridgechurch.tv. That's info at thebridgechurch.tv. Give us your email address and say, I want to receive this daily devotional. We'll make sure you get those. If you're in the building, you can sign up out at the Connection Center in the lobby. We are really glad that you're here today, all right? All the little stuff's out of the way. Now let's get into God's Word, okay? I'm going to begin a series today entitled The Big Picture. The Big Picture. I think the last year has really been a learning experience for me. How many of you have learned something the last year? How many of you have learned several things the last year? See, I'm a learner. I'm a learner. And I, I watch people. I listen to people. I deal with people a lot. I've really had my ear to the ground. And I have a group of pastors that I spend a good deal of time with, close friends. We get together normally a couple times a month, sometimes more. We talk about the issues of the world, the issues of the church. We've had some great conversation the past few months. But I've come to realize some things that a lot of people in the church world don't really have the big picture of what's going on in life. A lot of us don't have a real clear picture of that. And, and I really felt like God dropped it in my heart the next few weeks to talk about the big picture, to give you some things, a lens through which you can view what's going on in our lives and around us that will help us navigate this season. Now, if you would, I want to look at Mark chapter 1. As I told you, we're going to be going through Mark's gospel this month. And I want to read a few verses today out of Mark chapter 1. And let me give you one more precursor to this message. We always refer to a lot of scripture in our messages and give you a chance to go look it up for yourselves. Today, we're going to read a lot of verses, okay? We don't always read a lot of verses together. But we're going to look at a lot of verses of Scripture today because today's message is so important. And I want you to see where the thoughts are coming from in Scripture. So let's begin in Mark chapter 1, verse number 4. It says this, John, speaking of John the Baptist, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. So this verse tells us at the beginning of Mark's gospel that before Jesus came, God sent one, John the Baptist, and you'll read it later today in chapter 1. God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. And his message was, repent, repent, and have your sins washed away. Repent, be baptized, have your sins washed away. Now this word repent is a word that we refer to regularly in our services because a lot of people misunderstand it. Repentance doesn't mean a thimble full of tears or a cup of tears or a bucket of tears. Repentance doesn't just mean I'm sorry I messed up or I'm sorry I got caught. Repentance literally means I'm going to turn because I've been on the wrong path. I'm going to turn and I'm going to go in a different direction. 
Repentance doesn't mean, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Repentance means, God, I'm sorry, but I realize my mistakes. I'm going to follow you and walk your pathway. From Scripture, that's what repentance is. So John comes and begins to preach repentance, this idea of turning from one life to a new life. That's what repentance is. Leaving one life, beginning a new life. Then skip down to verse number 14. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice what it says. Jesus came preaching what? The good news about the kingdom of God. And saying, verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It literally means the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is nearby us. It's around us. And then he also said, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's interesting that John came preaching this message of turning. Jesus came along and he said, the kingdom of God is here, so you need to turn from the old life, turn from the old kingdom in which you've been living, whether it's the king's kingdom or your own kingdom, and you need to turn towards this kingdom life that God is giving us. And if you read on in the chapter, Jesus begins to call his disciples. And one of the things he says to one group of disciples is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What he literally said was, if you'll follow me, you will influence others to follow me. That's a bit of a synopsis of John chapter 1. But I want to dive in a little deeper today. And I want to talk about what I believe is the first most important big picture in life. The most important picture that we all need to have. When we become followers of Christ, we're taken out of the old lifestyle and we're given the opportunity to live an entirely different life. It's what scripture talks about. It's the kingdom life. What Jesus and John are talking about in, in this passage of scripture. With the new kingdom life comes an entirely different perspective of life, death, and eternity. Say with me, life, death. See, we said life and people got on board. We said death and half of you got off. Okay, let's try it again. Life, death, then eternity. You see, God gives us a big picture of what his plan looks like for all of us. God's word is for all of us. And I believe God wants us to approach life navigate life from a biblical kingdom perspective, seeing the big picture of life, seeing what God sees. So what happens if I see what God sees and I live my life based on his word? What happens? Well, let me just tell you in a nutshell. If you read in in, Uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I want to give you a picture of two decisions about life, two different pathways. He said, the one who hears the word and does my word, hears it, applies it to life, and does it, Jesus said, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. 
The storms come, the clouds arise, the rain begins to fall, the winds blow, the flood, the flood waters rise up, but that person's house stands firm. But what happens if I ignore God's word? What happens if I refuse to see or I don't apply what God says in his word to my own life? Jesus goes on to say, well, I liken that person to a foolish man. He builds his house on the sand. The clouds come, the wind begins to blow, the rain starts falling, the waters start rising, and his house is brought to destruction. And Jesus' words are, great is the destruction. Great is the destruction. Now, let me say something today because I told you I'm a learner. I've been learning for a long time. Look at my face. and, and You can see I used to have hair, I used to have dark hair. What's there now isn't as dark as it once was. I've been living a while. I've learned a lot. I continue to learn. But I want you to listen to this today because we don't want to kid ourselves. I can believe there is a God. And I can believe his word is true. But if I do not live the principles of his word, my life can still be a disaster. All the pastors said amen. Now, I can say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in the Bible. But if I ignore the principles of the word, if I ignore the principles of the kingdom, I don't inherit the blessings of the kingdom. And when the rain comes and the wind begins to blow and the floodwaters rise, I can believe in God and my life can still be a disaster. What's well, quiet in here this morning? Jesus said even the demons believe. So what am I getting at today? In this series, I want to teach some principles from Scripture that give us the big picture of what God intends for our lives, this kingdom life. And today, I want to begin with life, death, and eternity. Life, death, eternity. If I can see the big picture of life, death, and eternity, it gives me a proper foundation from which I can navigate all the issues of life. So i got three things to cover quickly this morning. got a lot of verses we're going to read, so I'm going to move fast. If, if you can't find the verses quickly enough, just watch on the screen. We're going to have the verses up there. Let's talk firstly about life. Now, I'm going to spend an entire message probably next week talking about life. So I'm just going to give you a couple of highlights about life today, things that are important in the big picture of things. Psalms 34, or I'm sorry, Psalms 39, Psalms 39 I'm going to begin reading at verse number four. I want you to follow along with me. The psalmist said, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Now, pause just a moment. How many of you are aware that life is fragile? See, I'm going to preach today like I'm preaching at a funeral. Now, don't, don't head for the doors. Those of you online, don't turn it off. Stay with me, okay? One of the things I've learned is when I was a kid, when I was a young pastor, when somebody passed away, all their friends, all their relatives came, and you'd have big crowds for funeral and memorial services. Today, it's hard to get anybody to come to memorial services. And I think the reason is, is they don't want to deal with the reality of what's ahead of them because they're not prepared. But when I, uh, years ago, I had a nephew who's since passed away, I had a nephew who, when he went to preschool, for some reason, he thought he was Superman. 
and he wore his Superman pajamas to preschool. And one of the first days at preschool, he wore his Superman pajamas. He climbed up on a table, stacked a chair on top of it, stood on top of that, and then made a dive through the air to fly through the air. And it didn't end well for him. And he learned one of his first lessons in life that he can't fly. He's really not Superman. But it's amazing how many people live life as if they're indestructible and it's just going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and nothing's going to hurt them. Let me give you another illustration. Have you been on the 15 freeway going north lately? Now, I'm not, stre I'm not stretching that. This is not evangelist talk. This is pastor talk. This is true, okay? Somebody didn't get that. It's okay. This pastor talk. I've been on the, the 15 freeway heading towards Corona. I've had people pass me on the shoulder when I was doing speed limit and maybe two more. I've had people pass me on the shoulder, left shoulder and right shoulder. And usually it's somebody really young who's living life thinking they are indestructible and it's going to go on forever. The psalmist said, Lord, help me to understand what my life is really about, how frail I am. Look at verse 5. Indeed, you've made my days as hand breaths. In other words, you measure my life in little short pieces. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. And then he says, Selah, which means stop and think about that. You know what my life is today? You know what your life is today? Probably doesn't smell that good, but it's, it's, it's vapor. It's here, and then where did it go? He goes on to say in verse 6, Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely the busy, they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. What he's saying here is, God help me to understand what I can and cannot accomplish in my lifetime because I know that life is short and I want to fill up my life with the things that you want in my life. I don't want to be deceived with vain pursuits. Now, we can flip this over and I'm going to show you in James chapter 4 in the New Testament, James chapter 4, something that was written there by James, very similar verses, but I want you to stop and think about this today. Life is fragile and life is short. Life is fragile and life is short. I don't care if you live to be 100. Life is short. You ask anybody who's old and they'll tell you, well, it just seems like it was yesterday when I got married. How long ago was it? Oh, 82 years ago. Seems like yesterday. Life short in the big picture of things life is short now here's what James said in James 4 verse 13 come now you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away there it is Oh, wait, where is it? That's life. It's short. Then he goes on to say this in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Now, I'm not going to talk long about life today, but I want to give you one more little illustration here. 
life is really brief. But you know, here's this little knot here. Life begins at birth. You start learning as a little kid and things happen. You go to school and you go to junior high and then you go to high school and then you get married and then you start your family and then your kids grow up and then you become a grandparent and then you become a great grandparent. You're retired. You're looking forward to all those fun years you're going to have. And all of a sudden one day somewhere in this process, It ends. And life is short. No matter how many years, no matter how many events, where you go, where you don't go, all the things you can think to do to stay busy, life is short. Which leads us to the second part of this message. And I, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about death. I know nobody wants to talk about this. But you know what? We're foolish if we don't plan for what comes when this life ends. Genesis chapter 2. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden. And here's what he said to them. The Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. The way it's written in there is the word die is in there twice. Some interpret it to say you'll die, die, die spiritually and then begin to die physically. Some interpret it to say that you'll begin to die and you'll continue to die. However you want to interpret it, here's the fact. Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world, and death became a reality for everyone born into this world. And yet we live our lives, we start right here, and we go on and on and on, and I'm going to go ever and ever and ever and ever, and all of a sudden, bam, it hits us. And we've not thought about what comes next. Death. Man, it stings. Death is painful. You see, we, we struggle so much with death because God created mankind with the intention of him living forever, but sin opened the door to death. It's not natural for us to want to die. Our bodies are actually designed to keep reproducing itself and for us to live and live and live and live and live. But yet because of sin, a death sentence rests upon us. And you're not going to live forever in the state you're in now. You face death. Ever since the first death with Adam and Eve, ever since, mankind has struggled to deal with the reality of death. And some see death as the end. Some people see death with a huge, fearful, unknown question mark. But in the big picture, if you understand God's word, death is the doorway into eternal life. It's the doorway into eternity. The bigger question is, am I ready to end this life and face God? Am I ready, am I prepared to face death? Hebrews chapter 9 says, it's appointed unto man to die once. You got to die once. It's going to happen. 
But you don't have to die eternally. You see, death is attached to life. It's a part of it. The old saying is, if we could just be light for a moment. How many are ready to be light for a moment? Okay. Uh, the old saying is, there's only two things that's sure in life. That's death and taxes. Now that the election's all settled, let me paraphrase that for you. The only thing that's sure in life is death and higher taxes. All right? <laughs> so it's coming. So get, they've already told us it's coming. So get ready for it. Now, some of, you are, some of you are happy about that. Some of you are sad about that. It's not a political statement. It's just a fact. Death comes with life. It's part of it. Which leads me to the third part of this message. There's life, and then there's death, and then there's eternity. I want to spend a few minutes talking to you about what happens at the end of life. Because I think a lot of people don't have a good understanding of this. And as a result, they don't always navigate the other issues of life very well because they don't see the big picture. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse 9, says this. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God makes everything beautiful when it's done in the right time. But also, now notice the last part of this verse. Also, God has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Every person on the planet, every person who's ever lived, every person who ever will live, has this curiosity in their hearts that God has placed there that they wonder what happens beyond death. There's got to be more out there. There's got to be an eternity. There's got to be something beyond this life. I remember when I was a little kid, had some friends in the neighborhood we used to play with, and we all came from different backgrounds. Some of us had church backgrounds, some of us didn't. But in this group of kids, when we played together, everybody would talk about, well, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be this. But every now and then, in the middle of all these conversations, the word forever or eternity would come up. Back then, every one of the kids I played with, even the unchurched kids, said, oh, yeah, I believe in forever. I believe in eternity. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live forever. There's going to be a better life past this life. You see, God puts eternity in our hearts. We may try to stomp it out and drown it out and kill it and ignore it, but it's there because God puts it there so that we can prepare in this life for what comes next. Jesus told a story, and I won't have you read the story because of time today. Jesus told a story. He said there was this rich man, and man, this guy had it made. He had everything. He lived in a palace, a gated, walled community. I mean, it was great. He had, this, he had everything you could ever imagine. He, he just had it. But, but at the gate of his, of his villa, there was a, a beggar who came and laid there. His name was Lazarus. Jesus gave the guy a name. His name was Lazarus. So this beggar would come and lay at the rich man's gate. I mean, Lazarus evidently just, I mean, the rich man evidently just ignored Lazarus and went about his ways. And 
The dogs would come and lick the sores of, of, of the poor beggar. But they both died. Lazarus died, the rich man died. You see, I don't care who you are, what you are, what your state is in life, if it's up here or if you think it's down here, someday this life's going to end. But Jesus said when life ended here, it opened the door to something else. And Jesus said, and I'm not going to get into all of the doctrine and all the ideas behind this, but let me just give you the simple picture of this. Jesus said that this poor beggar, Lazarus, who'd had such a difficult life, he ended up in the presence of God forever. But the rich man went to a place of torment, a place called Hades. See, Jesus taught us that, the, that hell is a place that's prepared for the devil and his angels. God never intended for mankind to go there. As a matter of fact, God made a way out of going to hell, even though we deserved to be there. And he did it through his son, Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, in this place of torment, this rich man was able to look across this gulf and see this place of paradise where the beggar was. And he cried out and said, Hey, Father Abraham, please let, let Lazarus, that beggar, just put some water on his finger and come touch my tongue and, and cool the, the heat of my tongue because it's so hot and I'm in torment in this place. And God said, No, that's, that's not permissible. As a matter of fact, you can't move from one place to the other place. You can't go from the place of torment to the place of blessing or vice versa. Once you are there, you are there. And then the rich man said, okay, well, if that's the case, then send Lazarus back to earth. Send him back to life. Because if my family members see him raised from the dead, they'll believe and they'll not come to this horrible place. God said, no. No, actually, they've got the law and the prophets, and if they don't want to believe the law and the prophets, even if somebody came back from the dead, they wouldn't believe him either. Why? Because people have to make their choices in life about what happens at death and eternity and beyond. You don't wait till you get there to choose. You make your decision before you arrive. And once you get there, it's fixed. That's what Jesus taught. I want to show you what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Some of you know these verses, some of you don't. That's why I'm going to take time to go through it today. John chapter 14, verse number 1. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You know what I've learned about believers? A lot of believers live with the fear of death. Jesus said... Don't let your heart be troubled. Well, that's not what he's talking about. Well, hang on just a minute. I'll show you. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Don't worry about what happens in the next life. And here's what he goes on to say. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. See, Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I need you to understand I'm not leaving you forever because there will be a day when we are reunited. In the next life forever, God is preparing a place for you. Jesus said literally, I go, I go, I go to prepare a place for you in eternity. I go, and I'm going to prepare 
a place for you. It goes on in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. But Jesus then goes on to say, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how, we can, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, there's one way into eternal life and blessing. That's through Jesus Christ. Don't let people tell you there are 19 different ways to get there. There are not 19 different ways. Don't let anybody tell you there are 19 different philosophies. There are not 19 different philosophies. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you don't go there unless you go through him. That's what the Bible teaches. So that makes me understand in this life, I want to start living the kingdom life that's prepared for me for eternity. I want to prepare in this life for the world that is to come. One more passage of scripture I want to show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I wish I had another 15 minutes today to walk through some more scripture. I don't. I want to give you the big picture today. 2 Corinthians 5. Paul wrote these words. Follow along with me. Verse 1. For we know. Everybody say, we know. We're not wondering, we're not questioning, we're not guessing about this. Paul says, for we know. If our earthly house, this tent. Everybody look right here. I've got my clothes on covering up my tent today, which I normally do. Everybody said, well, thank God for that. Uh, We have this house in which I live. That's because we are spirit beings. We are spirits. We have mind, will, and emotions, which is called a soul, and we live in a body. Okay? So if this tent, this house I'm living in, he goes on to say, if it's destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What is God saying here? God is saying, if you're my child, when this life ends and this body is corrupted and it dies and it drops dead, I have another body another dwelling place planned for you now verse let's read a little further verse 2 for in this this understanding we groan we groan the idea of dying makes me groan does it you is anybody excited to go this morning i'm not going to help you i'm just curious nobody seems to be in a big rush let me tell you something i love life I love, the li- I love walking with God. I love the life he's given me. I love what I do. I want to live for my wife. I want to live for my family. I want to live for my church. I want to live for God's purposes for me. There are a lot of things I want to live for. I want to live to drive that new 2021 Corvette when it, if it ever gets here, you know. There are a lot of things I want to enjoy in life. But the bottom line is I want to live a life that pleases God. Because I know if I walk with God, when this life is over, when I take my last breath and people close to me, a handful of people, begin to shed tears and mourn, at that moment I'll be saying, don't cry for me, honey. I've gone to a better place and I'm a lot better looking than I ever was. Because God has an eternal place. 
That's what he's saying here. But we groan in this. The idea of death causes us to groan. Notice what he says in verse 2. Earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Oh, man. Can I put it in my own words? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Okay, we're groaning. Verse 3, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. When this life is over, my spirit goes to another place. God's prepared a body for me there. Verse 4, and I love what it says. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. In other words, man, everybody wants to get to eternal life. Everybody wants to live forever, but nobody wants to go through the door of death. But it's part of the process. Verse 5, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who's also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Did you know the Spirit of God that lives in you is a down payment on what God's going to give you for eternity? It's a guarantee. His presence now guarantees his presence forever. Verse 6, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. See, I'm, I'm here now, and I'm absent from the presence, the eternal presence of the Lord. Then I love verse 7 because this verse gets used as a hodgepodge of things for all kinds of people. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. See, we use that verse for all kinds of things, and it's true in all kinds of situations. But the context is talking about death and eternal life. I live by faith that God has prepared things for me there, even though I can't touch it with my senses. The Spirit of God says it's real. It's there. It's there. The word of God agrees it's there and it's real. We walk by faith, not by sight. This is why people struggle with the whole concept of death and eternity. It's because they can't see what's on the other side. But God has told us a little bit of the picture. And in verse 8 he says, we're confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. See, we always tend to struggle with things that are unseen. That's why we need faith. That's why we need faith. I said in earlier Hebrews chapter 9, I'm almost finished. Hebrews chapter 9, it says it's appointed that a man wants to die. But the rest of the verse says, and after that comes the judgment. We stand before God and give an account for our lives. I never get tired of quoting these verses because I think it's the anthem of the heart of God. John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Turn to somebody and say everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son that we might be saved. That we might know when this life is over, we step into that next life. 
don't have time to read it, but Hebrews chapter 2 talks about the fact that people live in bondage to the fear of death. Their whole lives are afraid, they're afraid, they're afraid. Let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, you don't have to fear death. doesn't mean you have to be anxious to go, but we don't have to be afraid because death is the doorway into eternal life. And we're all going to pass there if the Lord tarries. We're all going there. Paul said God put his own son on a cross that we might have the hope of eternal life. That the fear of death might fall off of us. As a matter of fact, Paul in Philippians 1 said, man, I've got this dilemma. He said, I'm in ministry. I've been doing this a long time. I've fought a lot of battles, had a lot of persecution. And Paul said, you know, I'm getting close to the end of my journey. But he said, I love what I'm doing and I love this life for for me to live, it's Christ, it's God's will, it's the kingdom of God. But he said, for me to die is gain. And Paul said, it's better to be there than it is to be here. And he said, I'm torn sometimes between the two. Sometimes I'm ready to go, but then I realize God's not finished here with me yet. And Paul said, I live with this always going on in my life. Friend, let me tell you something. We need to live with that desire to go be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and not fear death, but yet live a life that glorifies God and we live out the kingdom principles of God while we are alive in this life. Don't have to fear death. So in closing this morning, I want to ask you, do I see the big picture? Ask yourself. Do I see this big picture? You see, if you see this big picture, it begins to bring everything else into focus. Because here's, here's the problem. And I'm almost done, so look right here. Life starts, we're born, we do this, and we got these plans, and we do this, 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 and, we do this, and, we, and all of a sudden, bam, it may come unexpectedly. But death hits. And we think, well, I've lived 50 years, 60 years, 70, 80, 90 get to 100. Some of us are going for 120. Wonderful. But you get there and we fail to realize that that's life. That's life. But eternity is forever Whoops. and ever and ever Two lifetimes, five lifetimes, ten lifetimes, a thousand lifetimes. And we find out there is no time because it's forever and ever and ever. That's God's plan for us. Do I see the big picture? Have I embraced by faith God's plan for life, death, and eternity? Am I at peace with the big picture? If this issue is not settled, any unexpected tragedy, anything that comes suddenly my way that I did not expect can turn my whole life upside down, cause me to question all of God's word. But when you can live life ready to answer to God, it changes everything. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm hoping you can see life through this lens of life, death, and eternity. 
What we fear in the natural, God has already provided for. And there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to live with the fear of death. But maybe today, maybe you've not made your plans. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to God. Maybe you've kind of fallen at a distance and said, well, yeah, I believe in God, but the rest of that stuff I don't need. You know, God will understand at the end. No, God wants us to understand before we get to the end what he's looking for from our lives. The question today is, what did you do with Jesus? See, God loves us so much, he put his own son on a cross to pay for our sins and bring us into relationship with him. What have you done with Jesus? What do I do with Jesus? Maybe today you're at a place where you realize, I, I want to wrap my heart around Jesus. I, I want to believe it. I believe this, and I want my life to reflect it. I want to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody here, those of you watching online from home, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me and wrap your hearts around it. Let it be the cry of your heart today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray this together. Say, God, I need you. I want your perspective on life. And I want eternal life. But I realize it only comes through Jesus. So today, I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I give my life back to you and I want to take the new life you have for me. I turn from the old life. I will follow you. From this day forward, you'll be my father. I'll be your child. I'll learn your ways. I'll follow you. Thank you for loving me and receiving me in Jesus name amen amen I hope today as I close this message you wrap your heart around life death and eternity and see everything in life through the big picture I'll talk more next week about life and how we see this more but can we just give a good welcome to those today online in the building who are coming into God's family. God bless you. Best decision you could ever make. Pastor Nick. Let's give Pastor, Pastor Gary a big hand. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Hey, if you made that decision to follow the Lord today, we are so thrilled for you. And we have an incredible tool um, that, that we've come up with. And it's called The Next Seven Days. And we would love for you to be able to grab that on your way out of the building today. There'll be a, a, an area, a desk with a big sign over it that you can grab it right there. Or we'll have some prayer friends here on the side that would, that would be willing to give that to you as well. If you're joining us online, you can also DM in the chat. And they will just write next seven days and somebody will give that to you. Because this is the start of the journey. It's not the end. It's just the beginning for you. But we want to help point you in the right direction. So this is a useful tool to point you in that direction. Well, it's that time where we're going to give to the Lord. And so first I just want to say thank you so much for your continued generosity. Thank you for, for being uh, faithful because we serve a faithful God. Amen. You know, in this last year, maybe it's been a, a hard year for some financially, but I want to encourage you that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, 
at all times, having all that you need. You will abound in every good work. That is his word, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. You can take that to the bank. So trust him, and he's going to continue to bless you. And it's been incredible how God has been so faithful to this church and to the people of this church. And so we just want to encourage you to do that. On the screen, they'll show you some ways that you can give, and we just want to encourage you. You can do that. If you're in the building, we do have a couple of stations uh, marked in the back that you can just slip in an envelope back there. But we just want to say thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We also just want to remind all the men that Bridgeman is coming on Saturday, okay? Bridgeman is coming on Saturday at 830. Tell every man that you know it's going to be incredible. We would love to see you then. Have a great week. Remember, keep your eyes up, not on the ground. Keep your eyes up on the Lord. God bless.